0: Good morning. How are we doing? Good morning. I'm glad you guys are here. My name is Kurt. As Dean said, I'm the director of Next Steps and Connections. And for all of you joining us here in the auditorium, for those of you in the corner classroom and other places stashed around the building, we are so glad that you are here. Uh, we are continuing in our Via Cruces series uh, that Pastor Jarrett started last week. And uh, before we jump into it, I wanted to say a quick moment uh, about Easter. Uh, Easter is coming. Uh, and at Soul City Church, we love Easter. And I know you're thinking, of course you love Easter. You're a church. Like, that's like saying I like french fries, right? So we, we love Easter. Um, but Easter is not just this incredible moment to celebrate the reason that we can have faith and hope in life. And if it was just that, that would be enough. But Easter is the time of year more than any other time where the people in your life that would say no to church will say Yes. And so we want to encourage you and offer you the opportunity to have the joy of seeing someone that you love, a coworker, a friend, a roommate, a spouse, a family member, to experience the joy of seeing them enter into a transformed relationship with Jesus this Easter at Soul City Church. And so uh, you can get all the information about Easter online, soulcitychurch.com slash Easter. You can get your free tickets there. We have seven gatherings uh, for Easter because we want to make room for your friends, and so seven is the number of... Perfection. Uh, so that's it. We're done. That's as many gatherings as we're going to have. Um, three on Saturday night, four on Sunday. And I would encourage you to be a part of it and to not miss it. And for those of you that call Soul City Church your home, you've been here. You're invested. You love what guy's doing in this mission. One of the easiest things, one of the best ways that you can contribute to be a part of Easter is to sit at one gathering, invite someone to sit with you, and then serve at another one. Sit one, invite someone, serve one. Because that will help create opportunities for people to experience Jesus. So can we do that together? Go to solstichurch.com slash Easter, get your tickets. It's going to be an awesome, awesome weekend. We do not want you to miss it. Uh, and as we prepare our hearts for Easter, that's why we're doing this series called Via Crucis, the way of the cross. And last week, Pastor Jerry kicked us off looking at the idea of God's sovereignty, that all throughout the story of scriptures and really all throughout the story of humanity, God has been weaving the story of grace and redemption through the person of Jesus in your life. That BC, you know, if we look through the many passages last Sunday that are in the Old Testament, kind of the first two-thirds of the scriptures, BC doesn't just mean before Christ, it also means behold Christ. Look at the ways that God is writing the story of Jesus throughout time and throughout history and throughout your life. And so many of us wrote the word trust on our hand this week, and it reminded us how can we trust God in the scenarios where we can't see an answer, uh, knowing that he will provide. And so if you missed that, I would encourage you to go to our website and check out our video page to check out the podcast to catch up because it was an incredible message. But this morning, we are looking at a portion of the life of Jesus where he faced incredible temptation, where, where he was offered opportunities uh, to take a shortcut in life. And so as you chatted uh, with your friends, how many of you, you'd say, you know what, I'm a rule follower. I follow directions, especially when I'm driving don't get lost. How many of you are shortcut people? My people. Like we tell Siri what to do, right? She's not the boss of us. All right, and so uh, there, are, there are audible times I'm driving, and uh, you know directions will come up uh, you know, from my phone. I'll be like, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, and then my wife, who even if you give her incredible directions, still finds a way to get lost. She's just incredibly talented. Uh, and, and, and she's like, I don't get lost on purpose. She gave me permission to tell that story. Um, but, but for many of us, we have moments where we love shortcuts. And, and everyone in one of us, if you have an opportunity to take a shortcut, may, maybe you would take it. We love shortcuts. But we hate detours. Right? We hate detours, but sometimes our shortcuts turn into detours, and the thing that was supposed to get you there faster ends up taking longer. The thing that was supposed to be a, a more direct route, you, you hit construction, and you're just like, gah, right? And we have this moment where it's like the shortcut turns into a detour. I remember I was uh, taking an Uber from Wicker Park had a meeting up there, and it came down back here to the office, uh, and I'm sitting in this Uber, and I'm not paying attention. I was just, you know, doing work on my phone. And I think to avoid highway traffic, uh, the driver was led by the GPS down through the Kinsey Corridor, like where Damon and Kinsey got an amen up here, or uh, like Damon and Kinsey happens, and like you're like not paying attention, and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're bouncing around because there's potholes littered in the street, uh, which is why there's no cars on the road, so it looks fast. Um, and you kind of like look around, and you're like, are we in the back of a warehouse construction site? Is this... Is this the set to the next Taken movie? Because my dad is not Liam Neeson. Like, you're terrified. Like, what the heck? And so, uh, obviously, I, I survived. I made it here. Uh, I, was, I was a little worse for the wear, not as bad as our driver's uh, suspension. Uh, so that's why I take Lyft now. Um, <laughs> but, but we have these moments where this shortcut uh, kind of backfires, and it becomes a detour. And it becomes something that you weren't expecting, I mean, weren't planning for. Um, and you might be worse for the wear. But we never anticipate that it's going to go that way. We always know the shortcut is going to work out right before we start taking it. We always are 100% confident right before we start. But then when it twists and turns, and in our lives as this happens, as it twists and turns, we have spaces where shortcuts become detours, and they can eventually, perhaps the small things can coalesce to derail the big thing. And in our spiritual life, we have these opportunities every now and again. You probably have ones that jump to your mind, or you're going to experience it this week, where you're given the opportunity to go further faster if you just temporarily abandon your values, where you just for a moment say, I'm gonna do the thing I said I would never do again. If just for a moment I'm gonna do this thing that, you know, no one's really gonna know, I'll probably get further faster. And these shortcuts in our spirit, in our soul, we call them temptations. And we always see temptations as shortcuts, but they're actually detours. You and I always, always see temptations as shortcuts, but they're actually detours. We see this moment in the life of Jesus we're gonna to study today where he had a crossroads moment on the road to the cross and you have those every week of your life. You've had one this past week, you'll have one tomorrow where there's an opportunity presented to you and you have this moment to make a decision. And I know for a moment, before we get going, there's something swelling in your chest right now. And before you get you know, too worked up, remember, we're gonna look at a passage where the Son of God faced temptation. That's a unique story in the story of the scriptures, unlike any other faith tradition where God himself knows what it's like to experience testing, just like you and just like me. Perhaps for you, those detours have been your first year of college. You don't really talk about it much anymore, mostly because you can't remember much of what happened. <laughs> right? Maybe for you, it was a, a first marriage or that business deal that if you could go back and do it again, you would ask different questions. You'd think a little harder before signing those papers. We have these moments where it looks good at the beginning, but in hindsight, we're like, man, that was, that was a detour. Temptations always test our trust in God. Temptations always test our trust in God. And so, like I said, the good news is, is we're going to learn today that Jesus understands what it's like to face temptation, incredible temptation. He understands exactly what you're going through. I talk to people all the time, students, adults, people who have been in church their whole life, people who are just checking out this God thing, and they think that God judges them for being tempted. Perhaps you feel this way. I can find myself falling in this pattern where when I'm feeling a sense of temptation, I think I've already failed. It's like, oh, this is, like, I don't know, like, I'm in this wrestling tension I'm feeling tempted to do something that maybe I shouldn't. And I think at that moment, God's already at the distance judging me, crossing his arms saying, man, you're so weak. We think that God judges us in those moments, but actually the son of God is not threatened by your moments of temptation because he had his own. That God's presence actually desires to be with us in those spaces where you feel pressed in, where you feel weak, where you feel at risk taking a shortcut that threatens to detour the best God has for you. I don't know about you, but you can assume that God only wants to be with you when you're happy or obedient or in church, when you're doing the right thing and following the path. But our God is one that went into the desert of temptation alone so that he could be with you in yours. That we think God is waiting for us at the destination, but he's actually with us in the detour. We look for God in the destination. God looks for you in your most detoured aspect of your life. And so as we look at this passage today, I want us to be really honest about the spaces where we're tempted, where I, where I struggle, or if I'm, if I'm really honest, I, there's no struggle at all. I'm just kind of like diving headfirst into the things I know aren't good for me and invite the presence of God in there because God will even follow you to the wrong place because his love will chase you down. That the God of the universe, even when we have made a mess of our life, will follow you to the wrong place because his love will chase you down. And so I want to show you this in the scriptures. If you have a Bible, grab this. Turn to Matthew chapter 4. If you don't have it with you or on your phone, you can grab one of the gray ones here in our overflow space as well. Uh, it's in the seat back pocket or the, under the seat in front of you. If you're in the gray Bible, it's on page 676. We're going to pick up the story with Jesus, and it's immediately following his baptism. And so if you were here a couple of weeks ago when we celebrated baptism, you know that baptism is a party. Like, it's awesome. And if you got baptized, I'm sure your baptism was fantastic. Jesus, his baptism, you know, was a little bit better than yours uh, because God actually spoke from heaven. It's a pretty cool deal. He's like, this is my beloved son in whom I'm very well pleased, listen to, and follow him. And then immediately after he gets baptized, this highlight moment that launches his public ministry the Spirit of God leads him to the wilderness by himself. It's like, that, that was a turn I wasn't expecting, All right? And so this is where I pick up the story. It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for temptation by the devil. This wasn't like bad scenario or you know, mistakes he made, like the devil himself, the enemy of our soul, comes to tempt Jesus. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Like, Matthew, thank you for that detail my Grubhub orders delayed 10 minutes, I'm hungry. 40 days and 40 nights. But I think he tells us that because don't you know this is true? That when you and I are at our weakest, temptation is at its strongest. So that's Jesus' scenario here. The devil comes and says, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. That was temptation number one. Tell these stones to become bread. Temptation number two, the devil takes Jesus to the holy city and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. Again, in my mind, I always picture this like a Star Trek moment, like they just kind of show up. But maybe the devil made him walk. I ever think about that? Like, again, you go 20 minutes without eating, and you're like, I can't do anything, I'm famished. It's so like actually have to walk and to hike and to get on top of probably this 100 feet on top of the temple, the center of religious life. And he says to Jesus, he mocks him, and he says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he, meaning God the Father, will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. The devil quotes scripture as a temptation. And the reason this is important is because at that period of time, people that claimed to be the Messiah, the the sent one, the one that everybody had been waiting for in Israel, they were a dime a dozen probably once a month, a new person would show up and be like, I'm the one you've all been waiting for. And so the devil tells Jesus, you know this, that it's not new. You've been hanging out in the wilderness with John the baptizer, like that guy's crazy. Like nobody takes him seriously. Like he's fun to watch, like it's entertaining, but it's not gonna get you anywhere. These people have real power. Convince them and now you have some traction. If you're really the son of God, Jesus answered and said, it's written Also, do not put your Lord, your God, to the test. Temptation number two. Finally, the third temptation. Again, the devil takes Jesus to a very high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and all of their splendor. All of this I will give to you, he says, if you will bow down and worship me. Again, you can have it all, Jesus. Political power, economic power, prestige, you have it all, you can have it right now with no pain, no suffering, no cross, guaranteed deal. I can give it to you. Or you can suffer all that you have in mind, and people may not even believe you. It may be all in vain. And even when Kurt gives his life to you, there will be moments in his week where he pushes you aside and does his own thing. Want to make a deal? Jesus says, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil left him and the angels came and attended to Jesus. These three temptations, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, these are the temptations that you and I face every day. The same temptations that Jesus faced are the ones that you face, that you will face tomorrow, that you put up with on Wednesday, that you gave into yesterday. They're the same. You're like, No, they're not. Not the details, not the specifics. Let me show you what I mean. The first one in verse three, tell these stones to become bread. Again, it's only a temptation if he could actually do it. If the devil came to me and said, Kurt, turn these stones to bread, I'd be like, can't. Like, I'm not going to lose a whole lot of sleep over that. Like, I can order Postmates like a boss. Um, no, I can't. But Jesus could. He's starving. He's hungry. He hasn't eaten for forty days and forty nights. And, and you know, you're like on a diet for like ten minutes, and you drive past a bakery, and you're like, you know, right? And you lure it off. And there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with eating bread, unless you're, you know, on whole thirty. Um, you know, there's nothing sinful in this situation. But it's about what it does to our heart. This isn't about the bread. It's about meeting my own needs. First temptation is a temptation to meet my own needs. This is the struggle of immediacy. This is when my thing, my desire, my need goes before everything else, including you. This is where I focus on what I don't have rather than trusting for what God has already given me. Again, we are at our weakest. Temptation is at our strongest, at its strongest. And again, it can often be a good thing. It might even be the right thing, but it's at the wrong time. It's what I want now. Temptation to meet my own need. Where in your life are you tempted to meet your own need? Could be in a relationship, could be at work, could be in how you manage your money. We all face this temptation. I face this temptation. The second one is a temptation to prove myself, to prove my worth. Verse six, if you really are the son of God, if you really are, prove it prove it. Again, these are the people to convince. You got the peasants out in the wilderness singing your praises, but what about the people with actual influence that can actually do something for you? You prove your God to them, man, imagine what could happen. So just jump off. By the way, God already promised, didn't he? We see in this moment that we have a drive, just like in this moment, the temptation to much, I have a drive to be impressive. I have a drive to find my value in what I do. I have a drive to silence the accusers by showing them what I can what I can do, by my hustle, by my struggle, by my success. It's the jealousy. It's the insecurity. It's also, and like I said, in this in this one instance, it's the only space we can find it where the devil actually uses God's own words against him, quotes scripture, as a form of temptation, which tells us that even holy words can be used for unholy purposes. That actually all forms of racism, sexism, homophobia, religious persecution, and bigotry stem from this one temptation, where I find spiritual and religious elitism in my own life because I'm not tempted the same way you are. This is why when you've seen posters with verses on them and you're like, I don't think that's what that says. That's why it's really important to understand God's heart in the scriptures. Temptation to prove his worth. How did Jesus handle that? How do you handle that? How do I handle that? In those moments where I see someone do something that I wish I could do. Launch a business, write a book, Give a great sermon. I'm sitting here preparing for this message this week, wondering about what kind of shirt I'm going to wear. I chose this one. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, in, it's in me too. It, it's, it's jockeying for position at work. Trying to have all the right answers at your presentation. So the boss says, man, I got to watch out for her. Rising star. It's me this week in a meeting trying to prove my point so that my way got chosen as the right way. It's how we talk to our friends or our spouses. It's how we treat our kids. The amount of times this week I told my son and daughter to wait, Daddy has to work. (laughs) Daddy had to work. But Daddy wanted to do a good job and be impressive. It's always right there. My hunch is it's right there for you. Where are you tempted to prove your worth rather than resting in the reality that you are a beloved son or daughter of the King? Maybe you're not jumping off a building, but you're on the hamster wheel. Third temptation is to sacrifice my future. Verse 9, the devil promises Jesus all of the power of all of the kingdoms of all of the world for all of time. And you think you have influence. And again, Jesus didn't dispute it. It wasn't like Satan, you're a liar, you can't do that. He actually could. He actually could give all of that to Jesus because when Adam and Eve chose to go their own way against God, as we learned last week, All the power on earth was given to the enemy. So Satan could say, hey, you know what? Jesus, look, you can have it all. Just temporarily abandon your values for a moment and worship me. Think of how good the world would be if Jesus was in charge of all the government, all the economies for all of time. What atrocities in our history could have been avoided? The devil offers this to Jesus with no cross no suffering it's the temptation to sacrifice my future if he would just surrender to the immediate the kingdom of the world is designed around immediacy and upgrades and we see this every day because this is all advertising is if you're in advertising please don't be offended but this is yeah this is every billboard This is every ad that shows up on your Facebook wall. This is everything that you're tempted by when you watch television and you can't fast forward through the advertisements even though you paid for Netflix. (laughs) Right? Play now, pay later. How how many of us have gotten into trouble financially because of that principle? You can have it right now. Don't worry, you won't have to pay for it until later. Maybe it's in in our relationships. You know, he might not be Mr. Right, but he's Mr. Good Enough for right now. Sacrifice our future. I'll use my influence for good, so it doesn't matter what I need to do to get that promotion. I mean, once I get there, I will be a great, imagine me as a boss. Like It'd be awesome. Be good for the company. Be good for him, good for her. Good for me. It's a win. Sacrifice our futures. The little decisions for less work, and more results, and they always sound good at the beginning, don't they? They always do. That's the allure of the shortcut. And Jesus faces these three opportunities to take shortcuts in his life to sacrifice the mission that God had placed him on the planet to accomplish. And we need to understand through this scripture passage that that means he gets it. Don't miss that. Whatever it is that you're facing, whatever temptation that you just came out of and you wish you could have, you know, persevered, whatever temptation you know is coming when you go to the office tomorrow and you go home this afternoon, you you know it's there. You got to understand. Jesus understands. I, I wish we, you know, when we start following Jesus, that all temptation would be avoided. That just, you know, God would just remove it from our life. Wouldn't that be nice? But the reality is that temptation is unavoidable. If Jesus' faced temptation, you and I will as well. But many of us, many of us feel like when I'm tempted, I'm already away from God. That the sheer nature of temptation, when I allow myself to be tricked by the deceitfulness of sin, this, this idea of a shortcut, I assume God wants nothing to do with me in that moment. I assume that I have already made God pull back and be distant. But how does Jesus face his temptations? He actually does the exact opposite. In the moment, in the very present moment of his temptation, he invites God's truth to come rushing back into focus. He invites God's presence to be right there with him. This is how we do this this week. This is how you and I can resist and persevere under pressure like Jesus did when he faced his temptations, To resist the pressure, invite the presence. When you face pressure at work, in your marriage, with your taxes, come on somebody, okay? With your kids, when you're invited to go out again and you said you wouldn't, when you face pressure, invite the presence. Say, God, I need you right here, right now. Not, oh, I'm going to try to remember what Kurt said. I'm going to strong arm my way into it, and I just need to be more self-controlled. Why can't you get it right, Kurt? Come on. Like, you've done this every time. You don't get all worked up. It's just like, God, I I need you right now. Our friends in AA, if you have friends or you yourself have been in AA or NA, you've probably heard of the 12 steps. They have a wonderful practice for this. Early in the process, only step number three out of 12 says this, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand him. Made a decision to turn our will, what I want, right, the things that I think I need, my way, over to the care of God, my life, over to the care of God as I understand him. And it's that last line that stood out to me. To the care of God as we understand him because if we can be honest some some of us care of god that doesn't make sense for some of you in this room the reason you've been running from god since you were 16 or 21 or 45 is because you thought that god's perspective on you was based on your behavior and that if you were to invite god into a moment of struggle of weakness All you would feel would be judgment. And so you have been running from God because of that belief, or that you were taught that. And my challenge for you this morning is what if that God doesn't exist? What if that picture of God that you've been running from isn't even real? What if the idea of who God really is can be found in the scriptures as a good, good father? who actually went into the desert of temptation alone so that he can be with you in yours. And instead of judgment, he brings compassion. He says, I'm here. I get it. Puts an arm around you and says, I can help. The reason Jesus went into the desert to face temptation is because his purpose on this planet, don't miss this, was not to bring condemnation, but to provide restoration. Jesus' purpose on this planet, according to him, was not to bring condemnation, but to provide restoration. So how would it shift in your life this week? If you went into that same scenario that you've been tripped up in so many times with a new perspective and a new lens. And you actually believed, if I actually believed when I'm tempted to prove my worth or to meet my own needs or to sacrifice my future for what I want now, that I believe that in every temptation, God has an invitation for me. That in every temptation, there's actually an invitation to transformation. Regardless of whether you resist the temptation or not. The goal is not to be perfect. The goal is not to get it right every time. That's good news. The goal is to be with God. To recognize that God actually wants to be with you. What would change? What would change? God, I need to figure out my finances. And if I just uncheck that one box, my refund goes up. Who's going to know? To meet my own needs. God, I need you. I need you in this moment. I need you right now because I'm being tempted and to know that God shows up immediately with compassion God man she just posted that and look at her go I'm so happy for her I mean I'm like 90% happy 10% jealous okay I'm like 60 40 I'm just jealous God I'm just jealous is there an invitation for me in that does my insecurity trigger an invitation from God My jealousy, there's something God has for me in that moment. I'm tempted to prove my worth. God, I'm tempted to sacrifice my future by not getting out of the relationship I know I need to get out of. I'm tempted to sacrifice my future by getting into a relationship that I know I shouldn't. God, will you be with me in my loneliness right now? My fear is crippling and I need your perfect love to hold me steady. What if you believed God answers that prayer? God, I'm tempted to make this move, tempted to take on that responsibility, tempted to short circuit the thing that I said I wouldn't do again. Would you be with me in this moment? Because the beautiful thing about temptation is that we always come back to them. Now, that doesn't sound like very good news. It's good news when you realize that God loves you exactly as you are, but also loves you to, enough to help you transform. He gives you second chances, even at things you don't want a second chance at. And this is true for Jesus. The three temptations, meet my own need, prove my worth, sacrifice my future. The road to the cross, the Via Crucis, was not a road to a cross. It was a road through a cross. Didn't stop there. But in that moment where Jesus is tempted on you know, the beginning side of his ministry by the devil, they're the same temptations that he faces in the moments of the cross. When his body was beaten and broken beyond recognition and they're kicking him and spitting on him, they throw a purple robe around him and crush a crown of thorns into his skull and say, hail king of the Jews. I have to believe in that moment that if he was fully human, he had a flashback to that hillside where he says did I take the right deal like I could have had it all without any of this is this even going to work and when he's hanging on the cross and all of his friends have abandoned him except for his mom and John and everybody else that's there is mocking him and saying oh if you're really the son of God This should be easy for you, free yourself. The guy nailed to the cross next to him is even joining in. Yeah, get yourself down. Take me with you too. If you're really the son of God, if you're really this, prove it. I wonder if it came rushing back. I've heard this before. This isn't new. The very last moment of his life before he offers himself for your redemption and mine last breaths on this planet he says I thirst I'm thirsty I have a need I can't meet and he gives up his spirit and gives his life for mine not knowing if I would accept the offer and yet three days later what we celebrate on Easter is that he actually overcame all the power and all of the bondage of sin and all the traction it has in your life and mine. And he became the ever-present presence of God in your life so that you don't have to face your temptation alone, which is why he says to his followers, now after his resurrection, all authority has been given over to me and my kingdom will never end in your life and into eternity. That's the via Crucis. That's the presence of God that unclenches the power that temptations have in our life. And so I want to invite you to take a risk. And I'm going to take a risk with you. If you know that there are spaces in your life where you have dealt with these temptations this past week, or you're going into them this next week, where you're going to be tempted to meet your own need, to prove your worth, or to sacrifice your future, I want to invite you to stand right now And I want to pray for you. And I'm standing not because I'm preaching. I'm standing because I'm with you. And I need prayer too. Let me pray for us. Good, good Father. Thank you for the courage it takes to acknowledge that we have a need and that you meet that courage with compassion. And so God, I ask that you would be present in the very specifics that are on our heart and in our soul of the areas that we are tempted to take a shortcut, whether that's in meeting our own need and doing it our way, spaces we feel like we have to prove our worth to you or to someone else or to ourself. Well oh God, in the very real spaces that we are even afraid to admit that we know we are sacrificing our future. But it's easier to live in what we can see rather than to walk by faith. And God, you do not judge us, but you love us. And you rush to be with us, Jesus. Thank you that you went into the desert of temptation alone so that you could be with us and ours. God, I ask that your presence would overflow here in this space and with each of us as we go out into our worlds this week. Would we feel you? Would we rub up against you even in the moments of temptation? May your kingdom come and reign in our hearts and in our lives and in this city And on this planet as it is in heaven, we pray this in the mighty name of the one who came to seek and save, Jesus. Amen.